Hi, and welcome to the TRU Alumni Podcast, hosted by me, Dustin McIntyre, TRU Alumni Manager and TRU Alumni. I'm joined today by Carolyn Cochran. Carolyn is the Premier of the Northwest Territories, first elected to the 18th Northwest Territories Legislative Assembly in 2015, where she held the positions of Minister Responsible for the Northwest Territories Housing Corporations, Minister of Public Works and Services, Minister Responsible for Addressing Homelessness, Minister Responsible for the Status of Women, and Minister of Education, Culture and Employment. Carolyn has been a champion of helping people in vulnerable homing situations and continues to promote and support women being elected to all levels of government. She was re-elected in 2019 to the 19th Assembly, which is the first assembly in Canada to have a majority of seats to be held by women, and was voted in as the 13th Premier of the Northwest Territories, and only the second woman to hold that position. The first Métis woman to be a Premier in Canada, and is one of three currently serving Premier in Canada. Carolyn received her Bachelor's of Social Work from TRU in 1999, and prior to running for government was the CEO of the Centre for Northern Families. I could go on with her intro, but I am thrilled and excited to welcome to the TRU Alumni Podcast, the 13th Premier of the Northwest Territories, Carolyn Cochran. I'm so glad to be here, Dustin. And uh, yeah, you could have gone on with the introduction. I was excited just to hear you talking. <laughs> I, I love hosting these podcasts and we are so thrilled to have you. Um, I want to first thank you for reaching out to us and uh, letting us know about uh, how excited you were about your time here and uh, agreeing to be on the podcast. Um, so tell us about your time. It was uh, called UCC uh, when you graduated and shortly after became Thompson Rivers University. Um, tell us about your time here. Sure. Um, shortly before I, I went to university, I went to university as an adult. Um, I became a single parent uh, with two young children, one still nursing. And I realized that my life was uh, not the life that I wanted my children to live. Um, a pretty rough life. I was a street kid at 13 years old and uh, did a lot of things that uh, not ashamed of, but things I wouldn't have done if I had uh, different opportunities in life. So when I uh, first was uh, told, actually, I was in a group with women for uh, a help group for women that were in uh, abusive relationships. And after I finished the, the group, I had told the facilitator that I loved that what she did and I wanted to do the work. And how can I get this work? And she said, you need to go to school. So I uh, I chose Thompson Rivers. Uh, at the time, it was University College of the Caribou, but I chose Kamloops because it was a an arm of uh, University of Victoria at that time. And uh, I wanted the degree from the University of Victoria. Ironically, I have a University College, the Caribou, but I also didn't want to be in a major city as a, a single mother with young children. So uh, Kamloops offered me the perfect opportunity to be able to get a career and still have the safety net that I need for my children. That's fantastic. So you, the West was calling, but you didn't want to go too far West. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't want too big of a center. Well, uh, I feel the same way. I'm born and raised here in Kamloops, left to the big city and and said, you know what, actually Kamloops is right for me. So I very much uh, feel the same way about that. So from TRU to becoming the premier, I mean, what steps were taken to get you there? Tell us about your experiences after you graduated and uh, you became a social worker and uh, how you became the CEO for the Center of Northern Families and then decided to represent the people that you you worked with and worked for. 
as soon as I finished university, uh, most students when they finish university aren't sure where their careers are taking them. But again, I I realized that um, the opportunities in the North, specifically the Northwest Territories, were tremendous. And so I knew that I'd be competing with a lot of people uh, in the South for to get employment. And uh, when you're just at a university and don't have a lot of experience in the field, I, I knew I'd, that would be a detriment. So I returned home to the Northwest Territories and it wasn't very long before I did get a job. Um, in fact, I was hired as a just an assistant to the executive director of a homeless shelter. Within three months, I became the coordinator of the family support program. Within six months, I became her right pen person. And uh, and then it just flew. So uh, I worked with her for a couple of years. And then uh, there was a job posting. I, I knew that I'm uh, very ambitious. So I knew that uh, I wanted to be an executive director. And um there was a job posting actually in Salmon Art, BC, that came up for the executive director of the Shoe Shop Family Resource Center there. So I applied for it and actually got the job. So uh, so I did spend seven years down in uh, Shoe Shop in Salmon Art, Shoe Shop Family Resource Center, being their executive director. Um, when I started that position, they were in a deficit. Um, I cleaned that up, got them out of a deficit. And then I got a phone call from the homeless shelter here in Yellowknife and said that they were going to be closing their doors because of lack of funding, lack of support. They couldn't keep it open anymore. So um, my heart was with those women. Like I said earlier, I was a street kid when I was young. So I, I couldn't I couldn't turn my back on those in need. So I uh, gave up my position in BC, beautiful, warm BC, and came back to the north. So the north. That was uh, the north. The north was, was calling. Yeah, the north was calling. The north was calling. Yeah. So then, after a few years of working with that and and doing a lot of private contracts, trying to get them out of debt, managing to get them out of debt, but having no sustainable funding for that, we were getting thirty thousand dollars core funding, and I was having to choose talking to staff, most all women, and saying, uh, you know, can you take part paycheck today? How many kids do you have? How much money do you really need? We were feeding women hot dogs, leftover hot dogs every day, um, scraping for food. So I, I, when I ran in 2015, I didn't know anything about politics. I spent my days dishing up soup for, for homeless people. Um, so I had to step back. I wasn't um, the person I ran against was very well known, a, a very prominent business person, um, known for the galas, uh, big business, etc., um, but I use that in my benefit. Um, when I ran, I didn't expect to get elected. I thought I just wanted homelessness to be a priority. I wanted people to start caring about those that most marginalized. Not that people don't care, but I wanted it to be a government focus. And then ironically, I got elected. So uh, that's my steps to becoming premier. Well, I mean, you were you were running on behalf of the people and the, the people elected you. Uh, so I think that's that's amazing. So that when you were... Uh, when you went back up north, was that the Northwest Territories Housing Corporation um, that you were involved with at that point as well, or is that a different entity? That's a different entity. I I chose to work in the NGO field. I feel that, and to this day, even though I'm the premier, I do believe that the NGOs, non-government organizations, provide a phenomenal service to the to the communities. In fact, I often think, and I challenge our own departments, that uh, often they provide a better service than uh, government can provide. So I've always worked with the NGO world until I came into political, the, the political realm. Yeah, could, could you speak a little bit about the different factors when taking in considera- consideration, pardon me, um, you know, the less home, the less homed or the homeless in, in northern Canada, obviously the different challenges uh, up north. 
Absolutely. And I say that a lot when I go south and I, especially when I'm talking to Ottawa and trying to get funding for our supports in the Northwest Territories. Um, it breaks my heart when I go south and I and I see homeless people on the streets. But what I do notice in the streets is that they they move towards uh, their they're not heat vents, but their sewage. Uh, I can't remember the, the names, but uh, basically they, they find heated spots in the street. And <laughs> so what's the term for that? Um. Yeah. There's the sewer basins. There's the catch bait. There's a lot of different vents <laughs> and things of that nature. We'll figure it out. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, I, I did notice that, and and so the difference between the homelessness in the south and and again, it breaks my heart when I see anybody that's homeless. I'm. I'm my staff's always saying, "Don't stop. Don't like. Don't go being a social worker. You're a premier. <laughs> Even though I, you're, I do it anyway. You're very empathetic. <laughs> but I did notice, and I I bring that up a lot, is that. The people in the South, it's horrible what they experience, but they're not going to freeze to death. They do have these vents that can keep them warm. In the Northwest Territories, I have stories. Uh, I should have wore the earrings today. I have stories uh, of people, women, um, because that's where I worked with women, homeless women, that have literally gone out and frozen to death and found in the morning. Uh, when you have minus 40, it's a totally different situation. And our homelessness here, it's, it's different situations as well. We have the drug and, and alcohol addictions, just like in the South, but we also have uh, an infrastructure gap in the Northwest Territories that is so significant compared to the South. A lot of people in the North end up homelessness as well because lack of housing. There just aren't housing units in the communities to provide them services. So. So um, that does bring me to my my next question. You have been the minister in charge of, of a lot of these uh, places, minister responsible for status of women, uh, for education, culture. Um, was your interest in these areas pre-existing or did they develop over time? And did your post-secondary experience uh, have an impact uh, on those interests? Absolutely. Um, like I said, when I got into politics, I didn't know anything about politics, zero. I didn't even know who the premier was. And in fact, when I it was in my riding, the previous premier, um, not the one before me, but the one before that, and uh, became one of my strongest supporters, even though he, I told him I didn't know who he was. Um, <laughs> so I didn't know what my role was. I, the first One of the first positions I got was the Minister of Housing, and I had made the foolish assumption that I would have four years to be the minister and, and get the work done. Politics doesn't work that way. Um, the reward in politics for hard work is more hard work. So, and there's uh, priorities within profiles or portfolios based on budgets, ironically, um, versus people, uh, something else we need to change in society. So uh, when I became the housing, if I would have known I had only a couple of years with the housing minister, I, I was known as a hard minister, uh, expected a lot from my departments. And I, I think they're glad I wasn't a little bit naive on politics because if I wouldn't know and I only had two years, I would have been even harder. Right. Um, so I got promoted, what's called promotion, up to education, which changed that, moved that. And then, uh, of course, the next election, I got to be premier. Um, so homelessness has still been in my heart. Uh, it's not something that's going away. So since I've been premier, um, we've, in this term, we've, uh, working with all of the Indigenous governments, some of the work we're proud of, 55% of our population in the NWT are Indigenous. We work very closely with the Indigenous governments. So we are looking at every single housing policy with the Indigenous governments. So we'll be doing a complete review of our policies. We're also just 
uh, completing. I'm just looking at the draft today of a homelessness strategy. I don't, uh, people talk about ending homelessness. I don't use that term. I don't believe it's true. I don't think you can end homeless. I think you can end long-term homelessness, but there'll always be homeless people, situational day-to-day things will happen. How did it impact me with true was phenomenal. And especially in the status of women, when I became, when I went to university, it was because of my children. It wasn't because of me. Um, I wanted their life different. And I had very low self-esteem. When you're a street child at 13, you get told everything, how bad you are. So my self-esteem was not great. What True did for me, it, you know, they always say that education opens doors. And naively, I always thought that meant it would give you employment opportunities. And I think it does mean that. But it didn't mean that for me. What it meant for me is it opened the doors to my soul. It allowed me to get the self-confidence that I didn't have to be put down by people all the time, that I didn't have to accept that they're saying that I was undeserving. It allowed me the challenges to say that I'm as educated as you are. Um, And I think that made a difference. It made a difference in how I thought, um, what I made for my own personal goals, what I would lobby and advocate for. It made me more powerful as a force to advocate for marginalized families. I wouldn't have got that um, if I didn't take things like, for example, as I took courses in um, women's women's, uh, courses, I didn't even realize, even though I was oppressed and I am a female and you know all of the things, I didn't even realize how oppressed I was or that all women were by society. So systemic. Systemic. And yeah. the social work program in True, um, I was lucky to take it. And uh, what I did realize after the fact, too, is that there's two streams of social work. One is behavioral. Mm-hmm. Um, some universities teach you know, you can be anything you want. You just have to change how you think, what you do. And I don't believe in that. That's a fallacy. Um, doesn't matter how you believe. I've worked with homeless people that have their faces beaten up. They have no teeth. You tell me that those women are going to be lawyers and doctors and the society is not going to give them those options. So I, two gave me, they use a structural social worker. They did at the time and I hope they still do, which taught me that there are systems in place that impede vulnerable people that marginalize people. And until we change those structures, we won't be able to change the lives of people. Um, So that actually helps me being the premier because now I'm the head of government. I'm the head of those structures that impede people. So that was totally so powerful for me. And and I have to give all of that to true. Yeah. And you, you you absolutely just inversed uh, you know, if it's a pyramid or, or whatever, whatever structure it is, you, you know, you, uh, went all the way up and you said, we're going to look at it at a different view and we're going to change it systemically, not from the the bottom up, but from the top down. How do we do that? Carolyn, what does it mean to you to be the the first uh, Métis woman to be a premier, to be one of three premiers uh, actively sitting uh, in Canada, or even the second woman uh, to be a premier in Northwest Territories? You you are, uh, you know, a beacon of strength and, and hope. And and how do you convey that message to, to young women and to young men and to young folks um, in the Northwest Territories and, and across Canada? I take every opportunity I can. I speak with every podcast. I mean, I reach out to you. I take any young student that offers to interview, ask to interview the premier. When I first started, people were saying, that's not applicable. And I would say, yes, it is. I want that interview. I speak at any engagement I can. And I talk about uh, 
the power of woman. When I was the minister of status of woman, the MLA at the time, Minister Green, now she's minister, and myself, we took a huge focus. We did workshops for women in politics. We went uh, on the road. We, The work that we did, um, I think, directly impacted the amount of women that ran in the last assembly. And like you said, I'm so ecstatic that we're the first uh, legislation in the whole of Canada to actually have a majority of seats held by women. Um, and, and being Métis, it's embarrassing that I'm the first Métis woman. Métis people, Indigenous people make up a, a vast majority of Canada. They are the first people of Canada. And, and the Canadian government talks about reconciliation. How can you have reconciliation if they're not at the table? How can you actually represent the voices of the people if you don't have the people? 50% of the population in Canada are women. 50% of the politicians need to be women at the table. Um, we've now hit that. I'm worried that sometimes you hit a goal and then you slide back. So I'm hoping that it's strong. We'll need to keep strengthening it. And once we've uh, made sure that that's firm, we need to look at diversity, um, other forms of diversity that needs to be. Our legislative assemblies in Canada need to represent all people in Canada. And that includes women, that includes people of color, that includes people that come from poverty, not just rich, educated people. Absolutely. And I think one thing that uh, as we, the government of Canada pushes for more immigration into Canada, those voices need to be heard as well. Um, but this is the systems in place where it's difficult for their voices to be heard. And and what I think you are paving the way for here is for, um, you know, more equity, uh, diversion and inclusion um, and in the in the government and also for those voices to be heard because uh, you represent a lot of those voices and you have been in uh, different positions uh, where you can actually speak to truth um, and not uh, just speak as a politician, which I think is really, really powerful. So what one piece of advice would you give new graduates, either from social work or, um, you know, other folks who who want to maybe emulate uh, some of the work that you've done uh, as they come out of university or, or whatever uh, path that they take? That was a really hard question. And I think that um, university is scary for people. I mean, it's scary when you first enter, when you don't know what you're getting into. It builds a sense of pride as you go through, if it's a four-year degree. Um, I hope I don't lose you. The power just went out here. Okay. <laughs> um, but it once what I did notice, as soon as you get out of university, you, that fear comes back again. Now I have an education, but now what? Who's going to hire me? And I've watched that with my son. I was the first in my family to get a university degree, and now my son has a university degree. So it does make a change in people. But I also seen him. So I think that if I was to give any uh, words of advice for people that are just coming out is the fear that you may be experiencing is normal. We all, many of us go through that fear, but challenge yourself. Don't be afraid to try new things. University was a new thing and the amount that you learned and the amount that you grew was phenomenal. So that will happen to you too, as you enter the field of work, define your career. Even though your your degree may be in, in communications, uh, education, might be in social work, whatever it may be, that may not be where you end up. But the career path that you decide will be yours to, to define and uh, it'll only be closed if you close it yourself. That's that's absolutely perfect. One thing that we have noticed um, in the alumni department is young alumni coming out of university and and that initial fear, well, I'm done university now, what? How do I enter the career force? What do I do? And we're building um, 
programs uh, that can support those young alumni as they come out of university and and help them in their career path uh, as they they need support um last question for you i know your time is very valuable you're very busy and we very much appreciate it if someone like myself were to come visit uh your beautiful uh territory what would be your talk re recommendations uh, of things to do or see there's so much to offer in the Northwest Territories. I think you really have to look at who you are and, and uh, what your interests are. If you um, if you have an interest, like a lot of Asian people in the Aurora Borealis, the Northern Lights, then uh, come in the spring or the fall. Our, our lights dance. They're the most beautiful, and I would say, in the world. That's my own personal bias, but the colors are phenomenal, and they dance. There's a myth that says if you whistle, if you go out of the town and you whistle at night, they'll dance to you. And I've done that as a child, and I believe that it worked. I'm not 100% sure now. So those are the times to come for that. If you love winter sports, then come in the winter. Um, make sure that you go dog sledding. Uh, it's one of our traditional activities that we do here. We have incredible uh, skiing for cross-country skiing. Lots of uh, winter activities, our carnivals, our winter festivals. Um, if you're into fishing and hunting, we have the most land. Uh, the, you could fly for miles in the Northwest Territories and not see a house. Um, our fish are the, some of the biggest fish and the freshest fish in, in the world. Um, and But the biggest thing, if you come to the Northwest Territories, 55% of our population are Indigenous, but they don't. Uh, Yellowknife, our capital, is mostly non-Indigenous. So get out of our capital. Um, you have to come here anyway. Come to the capital, spend a day or two, but get out. Go into the smaller communities and see the real people of the North. Experience them when they do things, events that they do, like hand games, community festivals, community dinners, um, drum dances. It's different. When you talk about community spirit, when you go out into our smaller communities, if a person lands off a plane and goes to the community center, the whole community shows up. It's a big dinner for everyone. No one has ever experienced that. I've never experienced that anywhere else in Canada, except for, for the North. So come North. So amazing. Thank you so much again for your time. It was wonderful uh, getting to speak with you and uh, I hope we get to do it again soon. Thank you. One thing, last thing I'd like to say is that um, one of the reasons I reached out as well is that um, when I did go to university and, and graduated, like a lot of people, I lost a lot of friends from university. So I'm hoping that this podcast will actually help with that uh, to reconnect some of them. My last name, my name in university was Caroline Johnson, but uh, I've since taking back my maiden name so please if you're hearing this podcast and you remember me and you are a friend that i went to school with especially a few that i think of please reach out and um, i'm easy to find now absolutely i'm sure they will thank you so much again we'll talk to you later thank you have a great day